This week, we talk about the toddler brain and does it rule you? Also, we'll take the mystery out of ATP and check in to see how many people noticed my muscles this week. Let's get into it. Notice I changed. I changed from how fat am I to how many people notice my muscles. Yeah. Are we we sensing a trend here? I hope so. (laughs) See, that's what happens. Our tape measure is still broken. When you (laughs) (laughs) have to change something. But it's you know it's funny it's it's like once you cross a threshold and people people start noticing it's like you cross a line and they go okay that guy's not out of shape dad bod guy anymore that's like kind of in shape guy right and yeah. you, you cross that line and then you you flip in people's minds of what you are for sure and I've crossed it's not an awesome feeling because it, it's happened like three times in the last two weeks that's a good feeling all right let me let me tell you the story quick oh you have another one well. Remember it happened at the gig three, yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah. The dudes were like, keep getting those gains, bro. Yeah. And we weren't sure if they were sarcastic. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's your story. Okay. And then, it ends the way you want it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Step two of this, um, we were. I posted a picture on Facebook with m- my kids at, it was at another gig, but just said, I mean, they had a t-shirt just like this on, and then somebody commented, wow, Josh is looking built. Unsolicited. It said nothing about working out or any of that. It was just a picture of me. Did you just stop and start doing push-ups when you read it? I just started jacking it. Oh, it's just <laughs> such a good feeling. <laughs> uh, I thought it was so funny, though. And, you know, it's I'm not even – it's funny because I'm looking at this objectively, like, as I'm, like, hovering above my body. I'm not mm-hmm. even internalizing this, like, as vanity. It's just all an experiment. So it's kind of interesting to see how it turned you know, so I'm I'm viewing it as right. You know, it's just kind of interesting to see how people react. Like when I did my, you know, I took a picture, a shirtless picture, and I had people guess my body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm just interesting to see what people think and right. how they perceive sure. what you are. So it's kind of you know I'm not I'm not even reaping the vanity and the vainness that I should out of this. Sure, it's but like, that's okay. I got to start doing that. Um, yeah, but I will say this. Whatever it takes for you to get healthy, because the end result, if vanity gets you there and the end result is being healthy, then, then who cares? Yeah. Then use that if that's what you right. need. Some people would be like, oh, that's a short term motivator. You don't know. Yeah, maybe. It, yeah. And, but, but once they get there, if that's the short term motivation, but it gets them and they stay there. Exactly. Who gives a shit? Well, and then once you're like in shape and fit and people notice, you don't want to all of a sudden be mm. like, if they see you again and you got a big beer gut. Well, that didn't last. Oh, what happened, dude? Ooh. You know, <laughs> it's the movie over. Or they walk, they walk <laughs> up and they look, they look, their eyes go from your eyes to your gut and they go, ooh, you can see it on their face. Yep. Yeah. You don't want that. So I think that would motivate a lot of people to, uh, you know, stay on track and well, I couldn't that. tell you how many people that I talked to that have lost a ton of weight or gotten shape or changed their composition mm-hmm. and said I ain't ever going back right yeah yeah what's what's that old saying that nothing tastes as good as being skinny feels right or whatever yeah, yeah. they it, they changed the saying to being fit feels but right and that's how yeah I suppose skinny is not skinny could be Oh, super unhealthy. Right. Uh, But yeah, that's, I think that's so true. And it, oh, it's a hundred percent true. It ties into our subject this week of Mm -hmm. delayed gratification and 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 impatience and all that stuff. You know, it ties into that because are you willing to delay 
you know, gratification for long-term success. So we're, we're going to get deep into that. So it is anecdotally, it's fun to see these things happen and be the recipient of this stuff. So I, kind of I, 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 I feel you. I've been there. It, <laughs> You've it, been there. It, yeah. But it feels good. We're living it live now. So yep. I'm a human experiment. The, the, the next step in your evolution <laughs> To self-actualization. Well, wait, let me guess. Is it kicking sand and, and skinny weaklings at the beach in their, right in their face? Nah, maybe. <laughs> That's a side benefit. Um, no, it's when complete strangers who have never seen you before mm. go, oh, you must work out. Yes. You know what? I've, I've, that's never happened to me yet. And like, like maybe once I reach another, the next level, it will. Yep. But I have done that. I, right, yeah. Because I've been in Mexico, and there was a dude in the hot tub that was just freaking jacked. Yep. You know, I just slid right up to him, you know? Yep. Got real close. No. Yeah. Was, and you're like, <laughs> no, this, but guy, I, this guy's like, this ain't that kind of hotel. <laughs> but you're like, there's, and I was thinking to myself, there's no way for me to bring this up unawkwardly. <laughs> yeah, that's where you just <clears throat> But I know now, words. sort of being into fitness now for a few months, I know that guy would love me to ask him that. For sure. So... Looking back, I was glad I did because I'm sure he didn't care. Obviously, yeah. he loved it. Or he would have loved talking about it. And because you know, guys that are that jacked, there's they, you by definition, you have to be so into it that you love talking about it, right? Because there's no way you accidentally just got that jacked. No, nobody accidentally. It's accidentally gets on purpose fit. with a hundred percent effort, like for a lot of years. Oh, absolutely. So. The, you know, it's just like seeing an insane guitar player. And if you say, dude, like, you know, let's talk about guitar for a while. They're going to be like, hell yeah, because you know they're obsessed with it. Right. Because they had to be yep. to get to that level. Yep. What's that Malcolm Gladwell book, Outliers, where he talks about 10,000 hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes to get your, you know, be an expert yep. in your craft or whatever. Yep. So if you see a guy that's just ripped in the hot tub, you know he put those 10,000 hours in mm -hmm. getting there. So. Chances are he's as obsessed as you might be and would love And if you would have brought it up, he would have slid over next to you <laughs> right. and said, let me tell you about it. But, you know, I just didn't know enough to ask him intelligent questions other than like, you must work out, huh? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But now I'd be like, what's your programming? How do, right. What kind of nutrition do you do? Yep. You know, that kind of, you know, all the intelligent, semi-intelligent questions. Dude, what's your not so now. secret? <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> So good stuff. All right. Well, speaking of uh, that, I saw, well, actually you posted this meme. Let's get into this here. Now, this is talking about being fat phobic versus muscle centric. And you, you said something like this, this, this is right on or oh, yeah. this nails it or whatever. It's a home run. And this is kind of talking about mentally how you should look at fitness right. whether you want to demonize fat and try to get rid of fat versus focusing on building muscle and what will what the benefits and cons of focusing on each one well if you do the is. if you just look at the titles of both columns if you do the right the left just happens exactly yep so just for the listeners it says fat phobic is one column and it says focusing on adipose tissue symptom based narrative is around restriction problem focused and disempowering versus muscle centric which is focuses on muscle tissue root cause based narrative is around macronutrient correction solution focused and empowering and i like this because mindset wise it 
basically says instead of trying to get rid of fat or destroy fat, let's just, or, let's just add a bunch of shit ton of muscle. Right. It's like let's push grow the fat this. Up. Grow, yeah. you know, folk positive. It's just a positive mindset. Yep. Versus a negative mindset, and I think that's well. It 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 trains your brain to, um, it trains your brain to. It doesn't train your brain. It it says you're going to go down this path. You're going to go on this journey, and we're just going to add stuff. Mm-hmm. Not going to take away because every to grow. We're going to try to gain. And yeah, because every every person I've ever talked to about nutrition is like, all right, let me have it. What can I eat? Right. What are you going to take away from me? Restriction. Yeah. Right away, they're just waiting for that shoe to drop, and for me to take away, and that's why I add veggies. Right. They, and they're floored. Mm-hmm. For at least two weeks, we do nothing other than add vegetables. Right. And by definition, if you're adding enough of the right stuff, there won't be enough room for the bad things, and they get restricted automatically, but you're not focusing on restricting them. And that's what that says. Right. I like that. <laughs> right. And if you focus on growing muscle and getting stronger and you know progressive overload, you're, you're not focusing on reduction and restriction. And being disempowered. So just mentally, it's a nice way to look at it. So I like that. Speaking of, this is a little squirrely, but I think we've learned in the last seven months that I don't give a shit. (laughs) So you know how carnivores are always like, vegetables are pointless. They're toxic. There's no point in them. You don't need them, blah, blah, blah. I was listening to a podcast this morning. Early this morning, I went for a run. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a podcast, and the guy said... I'm going to put it the most simple way that I possibly can. Plants do not feed you. They feed your gut. They're not for you. Mm. So quit talking about they're not supplying, they're not building muscle, they're not supplying Mm. this, they're not doing this. They're not. They're keeping perfect harmony and balance in your gut and your gut microbiome. Mm. It's for your gut. It's not for you. Mm And that was like a for right. me. That's a good one. I like it. Because yeah. it just frames it completely different. Right. It's like almost like taking a supplement. Mm-hmm. I'm not eating these vegetables to nourish my energy or my muscle rebuild growth. muscle yeah. growth. Or, Nobody's eating a salad going, yeah, I'm going to freaking my biceps right. are going to get massive. Right. No, no, no. But they're doing it to maintain balance mm-hmm. and, and make sure that when you do have the protein and the, the more complex carbohydrates and the fat that you can actually absorb it. Which by the way, that the science on that stuff is just all over the freaking map. It's unknown. Uh, well, and it's on so much is unknown. Like even the smartest guys in the space, when they talk about the gut biome and the microbiome and all that stuff, I get the sense that they don't even really know. Like, and they're talking about all the different, like biodiversity in your gut. You know, that's one of the ways they measure is the level of different bacteria, like how many there are. Right. Like that's alone is a separate oh. measurement they take. It's, and you know, that's really all they have to go by because they don't know what the perfect biome is. Or nutri- gut biome no. Is. And, so and, they don't and know. there's nothing they don't. to judge against. And, it, and, your, and the perfect microbiome is your perfect biome. Well, right. It might be, like you said, as, as unique as your own fingerprint. Right. So, how do you know what the standard that you should be shooting for is? I mean, I N- guess all you can do is. And I'm one. Well, right. Or you don't have, you're not having these possible symptoms that it would reflect a negative balance. Right. And if you're not, then. And there's some people that might achieve that with. 
you know, tons of vegetables or no vegetables or right. can't have any vegetables or need a ton of, you know, everybody's so different, yep. right? Yeah. It's just, yeah, you really have to experiment and track and know what's going in and yes. how you're reacting, you know? I got kind of a sick burn on this guy on on uh, social media who is like calories are all that matters right. and this and then he all of a sudden gummy bears right but he goes <laughs> off on some tangent but and and i'm almost ready to unfollow him yeah because you can suspect what the tangent is right fucking vaccine oh so yeah. he's like science is constantly changing you never know you can't keep up with it you never know if this thing's going to mutate if the vaccine is going to ha have adverse effects nobody can say with 100 percent certainty that that is what the vaccine is not going to have side effects. It's not going to, you know, impact fertility mm -hmm. or what, blah, blah. He just went on this long rant and he said. So far, I like him. What's his name? <laughs> you wait, I'm, I'm gonna need, wait till I get to the sick burn. I'm going to need to know. Wait till I get is. to the sick burn. <laughs> and he went on this long rant. Yeah. And I just, I just put, I just typed like Zico. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's good. They're just so hypocritical. Well, the thing is, I don't know. You don't. When we've talked about this before, but you just don't know who to who to trust, who to follow. Who's oh, giving this you guy the is definitive? One of those, he's a meathead, right? You don't know who the definitive. You know that's why you just have to experiment on yourself, unfortunately, right? And try to follow people that are getting the results you want to get yourself. And you know, there's just but even amongst those people. There's such disagreement, you know. Ugh. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's all under the. It's map. funny. It's funny though that the dynamic, and you watch these people on Twitter, and they're like, "Doctor Josh is an asshole. He's an idiot. Right? He's so stupid. What a jackass. What an idiot." And then they're on the same podcast. They're like, "Hey, buddy." <laughs> right. They're just, they're all just fucking cowards. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, funny when they get. Yeah, they're keyboard when tough they guys. Just debate each other. Yeah. yeah, and then they get in the studio or in person. They're just, yep. it's, I super, I respect your work so much. That's a, I love seeing Sol, Solidino debate people because he's so nice, but nobody knows his shit better than that guy. So, you know, when he debates the vegan guys and stuff, he just, he's never, he never doesn't have an answer. You know, right, but he's nice. Right, so it's it's always simple. Did you see he got put on notice? I, yeah, he got shit on by I don't know Twitter or Facebook or somebody because he was bringing up stuff that about the fucking virus. I even I posted on there and I said, Paul, shut the fuck up about the virus. Just talk about food. <laughs> well, well but and his you thing won't is, get banned if people are focusing on that. Then they wouldn't have to worry about it. And you yeah, know. yeah, no, no, it is his thing. We right. got it the first thousand times. <laughs> the well, fucking horse is dead. Just stop. He's, yeah, but he, these guys, I mean, they, they, they know the algorithm. They know they have to hit so many posts a day, right? You know, and yeah, just I get keep, it. Keep but. drilling it, you know, and that's that's the ones that are successful. That's how they grow. But all you're gonna, all he's doing, and I, I, I you're, well, he's pissing what, off guys like you. Well, yeah, but I didn't see it. He's like, not changing I, my I mind. Well, no. And no. he's not changing the mind of the people who agree with him. So he's doing right. the little algorithm thing that you just talked about. That's right. what he's doing. He's just trying to stay on the top of the – he's skimming the top of the surface. Yeah. And always trying to bubble up to the top. And unfortunately, you have to be controversial and, you know, kind of poke poke the bear sometimes in order to stay up there. So I know. That's just I'm good at that. <laughs> I just stopped doing it. Right. 
All right, let's talk about this. Uh, this other that's thing the best. Posted. This is good here. Jason Bateman's fifty-two. He looks like he's seventeen. Okay, now the, for the listeners, his picture sister looks like Skeletor. Jason Bateman at fifty-two eats meat every day. Justine Bateman at fifty-four, vegan for ten years. And I'll, I'll let you guys go on YouTube and be the judge of which one you would rather emulate. Uh, she still has pretty eyes, and she used to be. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, she's still beautiful. She just looks way, way, way advanced along the age timeline. She looks like, well, let's just say it. She looks 70. Yeah. Legit. Yeah. I mean, if her, you know, I'm guessing her, she probably colors her hair, but if her hair was gray, she would look a legit 70. Yeah. Because her face looks 70. Yeah. And Jason Bateman is 52. I mean, freaking looks, and granted, he looks ridiculously young for his age. And that, and that. And let's let's. But face they're brother it. and sister. So but let's face it, that might not be two current pictures. Well, that's true too. They could cherry pick. Yeah. But I mean, I've seen him in shows and movies recently. You know, he's he looks he's a little all, older than that in that Ozark, but yeah, he's all over freaking TV. But uh, you know, but yeah, you're always going to pick the ones that make that make your case the best. He's but, a funny dude. Yeah, he is. Especially in the changeup. Oh, that movie <laughs> made me cry. Yes. I was laughing so hard. That's good shit. So, you know, there's uh, there's lots of these examples of vegans looking super ridiculously old. In fact, we're going to do a reaction video to some vegan malnourishment later on. Watch for that. Oh, um, I watched one a reaction video that um, Baker did. Oh, yeah? The, the vegans that were just, like, on their deathbed. They're like, I'm so healthy. Ugh. Oh. Look at me, I'm healthy, and the, I could have snapped that one dude's arm with my hand. Right. Yeah, this, the lack of muscle tone is, oh, is, it's is frightening everywhere with those guys. What are you going to buy for nine, 19 pounds? Oh, okay, this this is funny. Remember how we saw the vegan bike? Oh, yeah. This is a vegan pan. <laughs> we need a label to tell us that? This shit just makes me laugh. I don't even have a problem with it because, you know, corporations are going to do whatever the hell they think is trendy and popular. And if it said, you know. There's going to be a mass YouTube. There's going to be a, a internet sensation of people <laughs> destroying their old pans. These non-vegan pans. For the people that are <clears throat> listening, it's the world's friendliest plant-based non-stick frying pan. It's vegan. And it's eco, you know, it says eco, plant-based, it looks green, and, and the you know, it looks like it has a recycled cardboard, minimal packaging, you know, they're just appealing to the Whole Foods, trendy, vegan, suburban, you know, hipster type that thinks that that stuff's important. You should buy one, and then rip off the sticker on camera, and then fry <laughs> a make rib a giant butter. I want to zoom in a little and see if I can see what's up with this lo- this. L- Label though, okay. Twenty-four inch frying pan, world's friendliest, plant-based, non-stick, recyclable, eco, better for us all, easy clean, non-stick, yeah, recycled and recyclable. I can't really read it, but yeah, they're just trying to. They're just appealing to the people that think that stuff's important. It's the shake weight. That's all it is. <laughs> just makes me laugh though how the these corporations are, you know. Just trying to capitalize on these people's. Ah, I'm all for it. Reacting, you know, to capitalism. Yeah, exactly. I don't blame them. Right. I mean, if they 
do market testing and the vegan pan sells twice as much as the non and they can charge a premium because guess what? People that really value that stuff, I mean, you're going to pay a premium. Oh, right. If you're, if you're a straight up vegan and that's like for ethical reasons and the environment and, you know, climate and you but, know, all the reasons they want to be vegan, you'll pay whatever the hell they're asking. My girls would buy that. They're not vegan, but they'd. The hook for them would be the recycling part, or right. recycled part, yep. the recycled bowl. Exactly. That would, that would grab their attention. They'd, they'd spend 19 pounds for that. Here's a funny joke at parties, by the way, when you're handing out napkins to everyone and then they're, you know, using them. And Why you go, oh, yeah, this is recycled. Oh, it's all from old recycled toilet paper. <laughs> I use it frequently. That's good. So it just makes me laugh, you know, vegan bikes, vegan frying pans. What's next? What's vegan. next? What's next, Dewey? Vegan meat? Nope. There I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Way ahead of you. Oh, good. All right. Okay, let's get into... Speaking of Sean Baker, okay, I saw this graphic, and uh, this is very interesting. Okay. Food consumption in the United States, plant-based versus animal-based as a percentage of total calories. Okay, there's a couple interesting trends here, and I'll just read what he accompanied the graph with it says since the 1970s in the u.s plant food calories are up by 14 percent and animal food calories are down 21 percent and now everyone is fatter and more diabetic when you take the satiating nutrient-dense animal food out of the diet it is generally replaced with cheap nutrient-poor plant food now he's not talking about romaine lettuce here he's talking about cereal yeah you know yep 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 Cheerios and crap like that. <clears throat> Plant-based is just a, as Corn is just dose. as scam to feed you cheap slop. Well, bad grammar, but wake up, have some more steak, and stop being played. So then it's got this graph here, and it basically says, you know, the percentage of total calories and it's, plant foods went up from you know sixty to seventy some percent, and animal foods went from forty some down to thirty. Mm -hmm. uh, percent of total calories. So as people change their ratio of more plant, less animals, it coincides obviously with the obesity, diabetes, fatty liver disease. Qualification here is obviously the plant food they were choosing was not healthy. Like I said, if it was lettuce and asparagus. No, it's high, it's high fructose corn yeah, syrup. If the, if the ratio was, you know, about the same, but it was asparagus and ribeyes, the, that obesity, diabetes, and fatty liver disease would not be going up. 100%. So really where they're screwing up. And that's kind of unfair to the plant-based people is to, you know, lump in Cheerios with asparagus, right? Right. But, uh, you know, you do have to – there is people out there that are vegan or plant-based, and they – have a giant bowl of Cheerios with almond milk every day and go, well, plant-based, didn't hurt any animals. Right. I'm healthy, better for the environment. Right. <laughs> and it's, you know, the, obviously the trends are not moving in the right direction here. <clears throat> so I wish, you know, that they would qualify this and say healthy plant foods versus un unhealthy, but unfortunately more people are choosing the refined stuff just because it's easier, it's more convenient, it's more hyperpalatable. I mean, who doesn't love a nice bowl of cereal? Compared, who doesn't? Brussels sprouts, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, tastes like candy compared to, you know, and, and you think of asparagus and Brussels sprouts, that's the kind of shit you think of when you're forced to eat your vegetables. Yeah, and you're just, that would have been a perfect segue into the topic. 
Yeah, well, it's going to be. Yeah, we're almost right there. <laughs> so remember this. Um, so that's on Sean Baker's Instagram, and it's uh, pretty telling. So, all right, well, let's get into our term for the week, and that is ATP. You know, we brought this up in one of our, I think it was in our creatine definition. Oh, yeah, it was part of it. Yeah, they mentioned ATP, and I said, that's something I don't know what that is. So here is the Merriam-Webster definition. Let me see if I can even pronounce this shit. A phosphorylated nucleotide, and then it gives a giant chemical formula, composed of (laughs) adenosine and three phosphate groups that supplies energy for many biochemical cellular processes by undergoing enzymatic hydrolysis, especially to ADP. Holy crap, dude. That's... I mean, you got to have a chemistry degree to understand that shit. Yep. So that's the Merriam-Webster definition just for the super nerds out there. And now let's uh, – let me read from a more layman-focused site here. Okay, it says during – well, the title is how, how Do Your Muscle Cells Produce ATP During Rapid Exercise? During rapid, high-intensity exercise, your muscles use large amounts of energy in the form of a compound called – Adenosine, am I saying that? Have you ever heard yep. that? Yep. Adenosine triphosphate, trifos, trif, triphosphate or ATP yep. to allow you to keep working out. ATP stores must be replenished quickly. Muscles utilize both anaerobic and aerobic metabolism to produce ATP, but during fast-paced, strenuous exercise, anaerobic metabolism predominates. Okay, so ATP, your uh, your cells store energy in the form of ATP. When muscles contract, they break down ATP in a reaction that provides energy. However, muscle cells only store enough ATP to fuel a few seconds of maximal contraction. To keep working, they must replenish their ATP supply. They can do this for a short period of time by breaking down another high-energy compound called creatine phosphate. Uh, Boom. Boom. There's where creatine comes in. Because stores of creatine phosphate are also limited, this energy system called the phosphagen system can only sustain maximal muscle output for about 10 seconds. The phosphagen system is the primary energy source during very short, rapid bursts of activity, such as a sprint. Okay. So that's where the creatine comes in. It's it's allowing you to go harder. Longer. Longer. Yep. Okay. And therefore, muscles, time under tension is longer. And you work out more. breaking down, and that's why you can get better gains on creatine yep and go harder and longer speaking of have you started it yet no but you're see i'm trying to be i'm trying to be 100 natty bro oh it is natural your body makes it okay ken yes yes <laughs> yes there's nowhere on any platform in any s- sanctioning can, body can that you say bolt guzzle creatine 100 really so that's not even 100%. they don't care nope so all those guys are on it then, obviously, right? 100%. Because, I mean, they want to do everything that's legal. Yep. And they're on all kinds of other shit we don't know about. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but creatine for sure because that's just out there. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. And then it goes into a whole bunch of other stuff about, uh, you know, how, how your body breaks down all these chemicals during exercise. So ATP. So that's important. Yeah, creatine. Boom. Or the wind again. Break that. What's that? So far, you haven't said anything negative about creatine except for that makes your scale number go up a little. Oh, yeah. Yep. I cycled off of it when I got back from Colorado. 
and yeah, the number just, scale never went down. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. I mean, I knew that's what it was, but yeah. And really, the scale number doesn't honestly matter as long as you know. It matters when I'm trying to train for running events. Oh, Because right. being heavy and running fucking sucks. Yeah, right. It really does. It's half that shit problem I have with my calf is it's just I'm heavy. Right. And running and heavy don't mix. It's yeah, like that old. Right. It's like that old meme that says running's not hard on your knees. Being fat is hard on your knees. <laughs> right. Well, think about it. The amount of work your legs and cardiovascular system have to do, it's like the difference between lifting a 20-pound dumbbell and a 40-pound dumbbell. Well, it's like wearing that one of those tactical vests. Right. Exactly. Just throwing one of those on. How much harder is running? Yeah. A lot. A lot. Yep. I guess the only way you could counteract is if you had giant leg muscles and no upper body. <laughs> right. Right. I'm the, the perfect, opposite. Perfect sprinter. <laughs> I'm literally the opposite of that description. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're huge above the waist and really tiny below chicken. the waist. Chicken. Yep. <laughs> what happened to the rest of the chicken? All right. Okay, guys. Let's get into our topic for Z Week. Now, this is about... This is like totally taking my whole shit and flipping it upside down. It really is, dude. Okay, we're talking about the toddler brain here. Now, you brought up this topic you wanted to talk about it yeah well, I, what I, triggered it i what made you think about this what do you think podcast okay <laughs> <laughs> i thought maybe you had an experience with someone or you're trying to train somebody and no it's i had never i had heard of it but i had never really took the time to understand it and make the correlate between life in the toddler brain, mm -hmm. in your day-to-day -day life, and the toddler brain and nutrition. Right. And dude, it's deep shit. Mm -hmm. It's heavy. And I used to think, we thought, we thought it. Like, go back to episode one or two. You're overeating. It's not your fault. Um, not so fast. <laughs> and maybe it still isn't because that's the underdeveloped. You're still in the toddler brain. Um, but I tell you what, when you frame it, maybe this is a conversation for at the end of, after we go through what toddler brain is, but when you become aware that that's a thing, it completely changes how you make decisions and how you approach stuff. So it, it, it has for me. Right. So <clears throat> how but, I understand it is basically you're reacting as an immature toddler as opposed to a mature adult with a fully developed frontal cortex. Right. Right. And you're making decisions based on what a toddler would do. Exactly. And reacting using feelings instead yes. of Yes. And it's like, and I want that cookie. And mom says, you're not getting the cookie until we have dinner. And maybe then, maybe even then you're not getting it. And she puts it up high. Well, yeah. guess what? I'm 47 years old. Nobody's putting that cookie up high for me. Right. So my mom becomes my other side of my brain. Mm -hmm. And it's an internal struggle back and forth between this, the mature Dwayne and the t four-year-old. Yep. And now that I've become super aware of this, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, like last night, I'm like, God, I can really go for something. Yeah. I was Just snacking. I was on calories. I didn't need anything. 
I could snack. And I'm just like, wait, I'm just being a fucking four-year-old. Yeah. You just, that's all I'm doing is being right. a four-year-old right now. You're giving into your emotional desires. Yeah. You're, you know, it's almost like a carnal desire, uh, which everyone has for sure. But the definition of maturity is, can you experience that and fend it off? And to, yes, that's the definition right. of maturity is because everyone has the same instinct or, or, or not fend, fend it off temper or delay to gratification. Delay right. Yeah. Depending on what it is. Right. You know, you can either delay it or fend it off entirely or some combination thereof based on whatever your long-term goals are. Right. Now, Let's go through this article. And how many here. times do you hear people go, Well, oh, I really, really want that pizza? Yeah. I tell you what, self, <laughs> let's have the pizza. Bargaining. Yep. yep. Let's have the pizza. Yeah. And then, but in order to have it tonight, tomorrow, you got to clean your room. Mm. Familiar? Oh, yeah. Making fucking deals with your mom. Or you got to do. If I can have that yeah. extra scoop of ice cream, I'll clean my room tomorrow and I'll mow the lawn. Oh, all day. All now, day. You're, now you're just doing it with yourself. All day my kids are doing that. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had this. It's funny because I had this, not argument, but discussion with my wife regarding nut- nutrition, right? Because when I got all, you know, radicalized right. <laughs> into low carb and, and just all of a sudden I started seeing the complete shittiness of the diet everywhere and the food sources that my kids are being given everywhere, Mm -hmm. like at school. And I mean, they literally give them like, you know, goldfish crackers and pop tarts and rice crispy treats. Mm -hmm. I mean, the stuff they give you at school is the worst shit. It is. It's not healthy by any stretch. Hey, Michelle Obama tried to tell you, you weren't listening because you didn't have sleeves. (laughs) Yeah. But pizza, (laughs) but pizza, pizza sauce is a vegetable, you know? Right. Um, I mean, and there's school districts that have pulled it off, you know, like the the whole food, you know, oh, sure. agenda, whatever. Uh, but anyways, uh, it all just comes down to money again, of course. But but I said, well, whatever, you know, that's our choice, what we put in our kids' mouths. And I said, okay, they have X amount of meals per week. We can control. We can send lunch with them. We can control that. And we can control, control, all the, control all what they five. have at home. All but five. Right, exactly. So we can control most of their meals. So let's do that. Let's enact control where we can because their instinct is always going to be to choose the Pop-Tarts and the Rice Krispie treats because they are developing brains. They're immature, literally immature. They don't have that fully developed frontal cortex that can make that delayed gratification choice. They're going to rely on their gut instinct, which is to eat ice cream for every meal. So if you the, let them, <laughs> and, there's, and there's no there's no difference between them and that the forty eight year old accountant not that much. works downtown. Not much, sadly. There's really not. No, okay, and so. people who know, mm-hmm. I'm not. I know I'm not supposed to eat this. Yeah, but I like it. I don't want to deny myself. Right. And then they 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 label it as fucking self love or some bullshit. Right. You, yeah, you talk yourself in. You rationalize it based on, well, why am I being mean? Why don't I deserve it? Right. It's a sense of entitlement, which is. You only live a huge once. thing, and you know I don't want to turn into old man yelling at the clouds. Get off my lawn, guy! <laughs> right? But, you know that that sense of entitlement. Ha- I I think this is just data that has increased over the past few decades. Absolutely, where people come out of the womb basically expecting a promotion immediately. Yeah, yeah, hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, well, how, why? I went to college for four and a half years, and, and this is borne out in the workplace when you talk to your old school bosses. 
and they're like, what's up with these, you know, it used to be millennials, now it's whatever Gen, Gen Z, Z or whatever. Yep. And whatever generation is too below them is horrible. Yeah. Because they're, yep. they're coming in instantly wanting a promotion. They want work-life balance. They don't you know, want to have to be in the office and, you know, all the stuff that, and the old school boss is like, start at the mailroom, idiot. Right. Work your way up, you know. And I can see both sides. Well, I mean, it's a free market. That's you know, Gen Xers. That's us. Right. We're, the, we're the old school bosses now. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. It's it's kind of interesting. It's, it's ironic though because we're the generation that invented not caring about anything, <laughs> right. and now all of a sudden we're being hard asses. Yep, hypocrites. Well, also, well, plus once you actually ha- have to generate a profit, right? That's a whole different ballgame, right? Than when you were just the young dude coming in and not having to oversee. Did I actually make a profit this quarter? That's a whole different ballgame. All right, let's check this article. So are we being ruled by our toddler brains? Stress and outside influences make us revert, but you can rise above. Ooh, that already triggered something right there. How many people, when something shitty happens to them, do they go, fuck it, I'm just going to eat. Fuck it, I'm going to get a I do it. large pizza tonight. I still do it. Right, or you said it happens to you when good things happen, like your daughter oh, graduates. Or both. Get emotional, yeah. <laughs> Good, bad, whatever. Yeah, well, the bad. only time I won't overeat is when if things are exactly right down right. the middle. If they're if they're bad, <laughs> um, well, if it if it's bad, it's booze, right? <laughs> if it's good, it's food <laughs> and yep. booze. Exactly. Okay. Do you ever wonder why smart people make the same mistakes over and over, or why you see so many stressed out people acting like toddlers, or why we seem to take target practice to get better at shooting ourselves in the foot? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it says the current pop culture almost demands superficial feelings and self-defeating behavior by duping us into living and loving in the wrong part of the brain. Ugh. Right. So here's, Smack. Yeah, here's the meat of it. Okay, toddler brain versus adult brain. Suffering and failure begin in the vo- volatile limbic system or toddler brain, which reaches full structural maturity around age three. When we're not under stress, we're able to turn pain and failure into growth and accomplishment in the adult brain. The prefrontal cortex, which is the most profoundly evolved part of the most complex organism in the known universe. In the adult brain, which reaches full maturity around age 28. That's freaking scary. Right. Now, I can relate to that because I remember, you know, when I was, you know, planning my life out and, right. you know, saying F and I'm going to college for music and just doing what I want. You know, when you're 18, 19, 20, you're just reacting emotionally. Right. You know, you're not making these decisions. Yeah. It's funny because I, I swear I was like, when I finally went back to school and got my actually, you know, IT IT degree that would actually pay me well, I was 30, you know. I was, right. I mean, I followed right. this pattern exact. Yep. Okay, it says, reach full maturity around age 28. We have the mental capacity to construct a solid sense of self. Living in it, we're able to improve situations, connect to others, protect all that we value, and appreciate people, ideas, nature, and creative beauty. We can stand for something, learn from our mistakes, make the world a better place, and forge a legacy. Oh, shit. That's deep shit. You know what this reminds me of? If you read Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, one thing that just was a two-by-four across the face for me was... There's basically, you know, to summarize in the most idiotic term possible, but he basically says there's no, without responsibility, there's no meaning. Right. And as a father, I know yep. this is right there with you. You're right there with me. Oh, it's. When my like wife and kids are gone for the weekend or something, I, I'm like, I, 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 what am I doing? I don't even right. know what to do. Right. Like my entire existence is wrapped around providing. 
and, you know, getting shit done for them. Right. And if, you know, I almost, I mean, I, I think it's just the default position for all fathers, right? You just, you're just always last. Well, hopefully. hundred percent. You're always last. And yeah. to me, that's hopefully, yeah. the most noble position. Yeah. Absolutely. You're think, thinking about your own. Leaders eat last. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, when I don't have like them around, I'm like, eh, I don't even know what, and I, I start defaulting back. You know, that's that what if I'm going to like get oh, a large pizza and like right, totally right. just let it go to shit, yep. it's going to be like when they're gone for a night or out of town for yes. the weekend or something like that. Right. You revert back to that. Yeah, that toddler brain creeps in. I do the same thing. You know, it's creepy. nobody's home. You're like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. <laughs> right. I'm watching garbage yeah. and eating rubbish. It's creepy, man. <laughs> this stuff is so on point. But without that responsibility, that's why I think. You know, I, I legitimately feel bad for guys that are divorced or just never got married, never had kids or whatever, and they don't have anything to take care of. They, they're they usually just the guys that are at the office till midnight. Right. Or they don't do anything. Or yeah. they drink their asses off. Dude, I know yeah. lots of guys, like, you know, one of my relatives actually is, you know, 40-something, never been married, doesn't have any kids, alcohol problem, you know, and I think... How is he going to stay sober when he doesn't have anything to do it for? To take care of, right? No, no family to take care of. That's in my mind, and I was telling my wife this. And I, I know nothing about recovery and any of that, mm-hmm. but I would guess. My gut tells me the statistics bear out that people oh, that have a family absolutely. have to be higher level of success right. than ones that are just solo. Yep, it's got to be absolutely. Because imagine the willpower it take. To sit at home, nobody caring what what you do, and then you know to try to stay sober. That would be so hard. Um, no, the only motivator would be getting laid. I guess. <laughs> Maybe I guess. What I else mean, would there be? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's if you don't have a. It's like, geez, kids, you know, you go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, you know, change, or you're never going to see your grandkids grow up, and you're like, fuck, okay, done. Right. What else? What do I got to do, Doc? Like, if you're single and there's nothing there, <laughs> right. then it's like, Doc, I don't care. Yeah. That's I'm tough. Gonna, I mean, I'm going to eat. Without responsibility, it's hard to have meaning. And that's yep. that Jordan. It's all in that Jordan Peterson 12 Rules for Life book. So that made me think of this. Yeah, it's a good listen. Um, yeah. I like to put that on when I run or rock. Okay, now what he says here is, when we retreat to the toddler brain under stress, we create conflict and almost invariably act out self-defeating behavior. In the adult brain... We create value, meaning, and purpose. So, you know, this, here's another piece of this too. And here's the old man yelling at the clouds, get off my lawn side of me. When you think about kids and people raising their kids to never feel any strife or pain or difficulty, have you seen this in fellow parents? Yep. Where they don't want their kids to ever experience anything difficult. They're called snowplow parents. Well, where they're just clearing the way. Every way. Yep. Now, and this is hard because you, who wants to see their kids suffer? You know, raise your hand if you want to see your kids suffer. I mean, no one does. No. No one. Your, your in instinct is you, don't, you, you never want to see your kids suffer. But I here's a couple examples. I had my wife had a friend. We were playing Trivial Pursuit Junior, okay, with a couple kids that were in the age for Trivial Pursuit Junior. Mm-hmm. I was 30 at the time or whatever. Of course, I'm going to beat them at Trivial Pursuit Junior. Right. Because I'm 30 and they're 11. Right. And I know more. 
and they would answer wrong and I'd go, Oh, that's too bad. And then the, their mom from across the room would go, let them, let them answer again. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh. I literally got offended. I'm like, no, nah, hand nah. That's we don't, no, we don't, we don't do that. No, 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 no. They get it wrong. There's no do Next person. Right. I mean, we're playing the game by the rules. Right. And I should be able to beat you. And as you get smarter and I get older and dumber, you know, eventually right. you'll crush me. Right. And that's the natural order of things. Another example, my cousin and, or my, my, uh, my nephew. Okay. Lucas, if you're listening, I just saw him this last weekend. He's 15 now, but when he was maybe 12, I could beat him in one-on-one in basketball, barely. Okay. He's re- he was really good even at 12 and he was like an inch shorter than me. Now he's six foot sure. and destroys me. Right. Right. And we, we had a little swimming race this last weekend. Last year I could eke him out this year. He crushed me. Did I go easy on him no. last year or this year? No, I tried like hell. Did you no, no, give me a 10 foot head start? Let <laughs> no. him answer again. I crushed, I crushed, I didn't crush him, but I barely eked it out last year. And this year he destroyed me. That's the natural order of things. It is. Because he's now he's six foot and he's muscular and whatever. Torch has been passed. Now, if I would have let him win when he was 11 or whatever, yep. do you think he would have tried as hard to come back and destroy me the next year or no. whatever? No. That motivated him. because He probably would have came back the next year and said, yeah, I don't play basketball anymore. Right. <laughs> he's, he needs that com- that competitive nudge. Yep. You have to have that something to chase that fire. And to me, it's just really sad when people don't want their kids to ever experience any difficulty, mm-hmm. any suffering, any not suffering, but any, you know, strife. Here's another example. When your kid was learning to tie their shoe. Okay. The instinct to reach in and go, I just let me freaking do it. Is so strong, right? Man, it's hard because you want to just tie the shoe. We got to get going, and you got to go. Yeah, right? and the clock's ticking. So you just have to sit there and like grit your teeth because they have to power through. Yeah, if they don't power through, they'll never learn, and they won't appreciate the victory of learning to tie. And well, they won't ever learn. No, or it'll take them an extra year. Right, they have to have that. It's, and it's I, I always equate it to muscle building. You have to break it down, yep. and you have to have that pain, that soreness, and that's all. That's how it grows. Yep. So, why that's, would you want to deny your child that? Right. So that was I little, think there's a difference between. I mean, I'm not beating the shit out of them. That, that's what know. I'm saying. There's a difference between pushing them into <laughs> the lake and saying, "Swim, motherfucker," and <laughs> and when they driving do, the boat out to the middle of the lake, right. Right. See you back back. at shore if you're lucky. (laughs) If not, well, there's more food at dinner. (laughs) There's a difference between that and I would do anything, but it's okay to let them punch their way out of something that they get into. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't have to go out of your way to put them into predicaments. They're going to do it anyways. Yep. Um. So I think it's okay to let them punch their way out. You got to let them figure it out. Um, but at the same time, if it's heavy and it could really impact them long term, that's where I become a little more snowplow helicopter where I'll be like, all right, I got your back. Yeah, it's a, it's a judgment call yeah. the whole way. But I feel like the, the line has moved so much more to the snowplow sure. area sure. where people – they literally don't want their kid to experience 
any sort of difficulty. And I think it's because maybe they were raised by super strict disciplinarians, you know, beat the shit out of them and, you know, were super, super right. strict. And they, the pendulum swings so, so far the other way. Yeah. They're like, I want my kid to only experience niceness, get everything they want. Yep. And they ultimately, up, that doesn't benefit them. Right. It doesn't benefit them because if you give your kid what they want, what what is driving what they want? The toddler brain. Right. The toddler brain saying, I want ice cream. I want all these toys. You know, I just had this discussion this weekend. My, you know, my son wants this insane Lego Mario Nintendo thing. It's like 230 bucks, right? It's like, okay, I'm not buying that. Right. So how would you like to pay for that? Right. And then I said, think about, you know, boy, a lot of parents would be like, all right, stone on Amazon. And then your kid has no concept of the amount of, I, and I, I always equate it to time. I say, look, at my job, I make X amount per hour. So that's X amount of hours of work. That's like a day of me at work right, right. to buy that one item. Right. So how would you like to earn that money? And then let him figure it out. Oh, yep. I could babysit. I could mow lawns. I could whatever. Yep. Okay. Get a plan. And you're going to see how much effort and time it takes for you to earn that. Because if I just buy that and hand it to him, and, you know, it's not like I don't buy Christmas presents, right, 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 right. But if I just give him everything he wants and just hand it to him, he has no appreciation for it. And, you know, that's something I've – and I'm sure you've seen this too in your coaching and – in real estate coaching, there was a guy I knew that told a story about, and his program costs like a thousand bucks a year to be in this academy or whatever. And he said to a person, everyone he gave a free membership to never did shit. Right. Because they did not value it. Yep. But all the people that gave up their hard earned thousand dollars yes. were in there. I mean, yeah. even most of them still didn't do anything because that's just the nature of right, 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 right. all coaching and mentorship yeah, yep. is only 10% of the people do anything. And then blame it on the program. <laughs> exactly. But the only ones that did were the ones that put in the money of their right. hard-earned money. Right. So that's all toddler brain versus adult brain kind of shit. All right. So here's another uh, – Piece. Okay, so unfortunately, the assess and improve modes of the prefrontal cortex can often be hijacked by habits forged in the toddler brain. When those habits are repeatedly reinforced in adulthood, hmm, instead of regulating alarms with reality testing, then our thought processes amplify and magnify them. Intelligence and creativity go to justifying the alarm. Holy shit, that's, that hits home right there. I mean, y y you think uh, you're not creative? Start thinking of ways you can justify eating that pizza, right? Yep. All of a sudden, you're freaking Stephen King coming up with scripts. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Wait a second. I took the stairs on Thursday of last week. Yep. What was I thinking? <laughs> All of a sudden, you're, you got the whole movie scripted out of how you can get to the pizza. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. And I think, and, and like, I, like I said when we were just getting started on the topic is I think so when people will hear this and say, okay, so I got a toddler brain. So then what? That's it. Just recognize it. The awareness yep. is its own thing. I mean, yes. Most of the battle. Right. And what do they always say? Like the first step to correcting something is, is admitting it. Admitting there's a problem. Right. right. And that's, that's it. I mean, 
says, most of these self-defeating emotional habits were initially formed in toddlerhood, but they would do little damage were they not so vigorously maintained by cultural reinforcement. When pop culture promotes living and loving in the wrong part of the brain, we can hardly escape ubiquitous toddler dialogues of mine and no. Politicians, oh boy, here we go. For example, often speak like stubborn toddlers overstimulated by a 24-hour news cycle. They and others seem to surround us with power struggles, overreactions, temper tantrums, and resentful pouting, to which we either respond with powerless frustration or worse, by reacting in kind. Right. Uh, okay, many factors contri- contribute to the culture of toddlerhood, chief among them. Oh boy, here we go. Mm-hmm. Number one, entitlement. And in parentheses, an ever-expanding perception of rights and demands. Oh, that's so good. Like we were talking about the employees that come in. Well, here's another example. Okay. We just got sued in our house flipping business by a buyer. Okay. We just had mediation. The case is over with. Now we settled. But the amount of entitlement I've seen in buyers is ridiculous. Okay. Oh. Because in real estate, when you buy a house... There's a thing called caveat emporum, which means buyer beware, which means when the title transfers over, that is your house now. It's over. If it falls over the next day. Tough shit. Tough shit. Yep. You bought the house. But we've been sued twice that actually got served papers because something went wrong with the house. We sold somebody. Unbeknownst to us. I mean, we're talking, you know. It passed inspection. So what the hell? It, it once it gets past the closing table, you've right. had your chance to object to any problems. Right. If you didn't find a problem by then, you're not entitled to shit. Right. Well, we still had to pay a lawyer to defend us, and we're out a bunch of thousands because somebody thinks, well, they screwed me. I bought a lemon of a house. Well, they knew that the furnace every, was going to go out. Every house is full of systems that have a lifespan, and you're part of the way through that lifespan the day you bought it. Right. Just a question of how close you are to the end. Right. You know, every furnace lasts 15, 20 years. Every roof lasts 20 to 25 years, whatever. How far are you to, close to the, to the end of that lifespan? Sometimes things die early, especially now in the, in the world of planned obsolescence. Right. Which is a whole other thing. You know, like when you buy new appliances, I mean, shit. Yeah, it's designed. They, they are designed to be replaced every five to seven years. Yes. And if it didn't, they, that <laughs> stove would cost 30 grand. Right. And, but if you, bu- you have a, a, if anybody still has a 70s fridge, it's still rocking. Well, for sure. Because back then they lasted for <laughs> You hear it. <laughs> I saw can't a, meme, fall a meme the other day that said, you know, 2020 appliance dies in five years. 1970s fridge. I am beyond time. I will outlive you and all your relatives. I am time itself. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, funny. the sense of entitlement, you know, I just don't get every house I've bought and I've bought a bunch. If anything goes wrong, I just go, well, that sucks. Right. But do I ever think of going back to the seller and going, you screwed me? No, because it's pointless. I had my chance to inspect yeah. the house right. and figure it out. We, when we sold our house, um, they weren't, the sense of entitlement was evident when they... Um, you were the seller? Yes. But they went through, I mean, it wasn't after the closing table. It was before. It was the final inspection. Oh, sure. When we were the all final the final walkthrough. We, yeah, we were all the way out. And they were nitpicking. They were nitpicking, but. There's a hole in this wall. There's well, a- what happened was we had, <laughs> it was a smaller house, older house, 1979. Yeah. And we I remodeled the entire inside. And it looked nice. And Mel does a phenomenal job at staging and decorating. Mm-hmm. And we had nice furniture. We had nice stuff. Yep. 
but in a smaller, older home that was remodeled. Yep. Well, we just happened to have nicer stuff than they did. So when it wasn't staged. Oh, your good stuff was gone? And they walked in, they're like, ugh, this isn't the house we bought. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't look like a magazine anymore. Right. So um, fortunately, their realtor was like, sorry, honey, that's not how it works. (laughs) How dumb are you, though, to think that the furniture. Right comes with or something or you know to not how, tell how, that that's, how are you not able to like just block out the furniture and see the house for what it is right i mean and that does you know boy we're really getting off track here but that does really prove how important staging is right when you're selling a house. right so, right all right let's get back into this article here um so yeah entitlement boy that's everywhere um and you know i mean i could go off for an hour just on that. Okay, so number two, self-obsession, the inability to see perspectives that go beyond our personal experience. Oh, this is so huge. I don't want to say I'm good at this, but... They, no, they, they, people who struggle with that have the ability. They just don't want to. Right. They don't think they have to. Right. And, and, and two, three, four, five, six, all of it comes back to this whole self-love bullshit movement. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to do whatever makes me feel good. Right, feelings. Yep, feelings. Are and the it focus. doesn't matter how it affects anyone else, as long as or I whether it's love good for myself, or if it's good for yourself. Right. right? As yeah. long as I am happy and I love myself. As long as I feel good in the moment. Right. In the moment. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So self obsession. This is one where I feel like I, for some reason, and maybe it's just because I have such a logical. Like even when I'm looking at myself, like shirtless and posting the, you know, but guess my body fat percentage. I'm not like internalizing that. It's all just like kind of a science experiment. Yeah. So I've I've always had this ability, like when something horrible happens, you know, or you start to get your dander up because some bullshit's happening. I go, okay, well think about it. They they walked in and this happened, this happened. So that's why they're reacting this way. Right. You know, I, I have always had that ability to kind of see it from the other side sure so at least then you're not having that same emotional overreaction right yeah um, that's a good that's a good uh skill to have well one one thing i've always said is assume positive intent in any interaction you're having if you assume the person is coming from a good place you're starting off way way better because some sure. people got their dukes up right like a, the minute you you walk up like imagine if you went up to a counter like at a retail store and they're like what the fuck what do you want you know, if they right. came at you with the defensive posture, which, like, if you work at customer service, you probably should have, right? Because chances are they're coming up to bitch about something. Right. But if you come up and assume positive intent of that person, I mean, you rea- your interactions are going to go so much better. Right. Okay, splitting. Seeing everything is good or bad, angel or demon, all or nothing. Ooh, boy, I'm guilty of that one. For sure. Same. I mean, it's like either... This food is all horrible or, yeah, black and white, yep. uh, binary, big time. Oh. Intolerance of disagreement and uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Well, that's another one. Like, sometimes you just don't know. You have no guarantees, right? Right. I mean, people want this all these reassurances. Well, if I do this, I, I don't want to make this move unless I'm guaranteed. Well, you don't get to say that. It doesn't that. work that way. Yeah. Some some things are risk, and the more and usually the more risk, the more reward, right. or the more downside. You see that intolerance of disagreement and uncertainty. Um, you see that a lot during the election cycle. Oh, sadly, 
Yeah, I mean, I like you know we've discussed some pretty spicy stuff on here, and even if we have 180 degree opposed points of view, we can still talk about it civilly. I can I'm not threatened by your point of view because I'm not so insecure right. in my own that right. I can't hear your point of view. Yep. And I, I wish people were like that because just the unwillingness to hear the other side is is just silly to me. Um, if, oh, here's one you just pointed out. The elevation of feelings over values. That is huge. Right. That's so huge. Yeah, they're a slave to their feelings rather than you know, they, they want to feel good by whatever they're putting in their mouth or not exercising or they're doing what feels good in the moment versus wanting to be fit or you know, but, more in shape. But the dangerous thing is somewhere that that's all it's always been that way, mm-hmm. but we've always fought it. Now we're celebrating it. Celebrating giving in yeah. to the feelings. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. You owe it to yourself, girl. <laughs> Get that dress. Yep. That's that's your month's salary. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's YOLO. No, the people that are willing to delay gratification are not celebrated. No. It's the ones that give in. And, and part of that is just because all the messaging we're seeing is all corporate marketing that's designed to try to separate you from your money. Right. So the and whole point sucked is sucked in. Yeah. Oh, screw it. Just give yep. in. Oh, you need that extra. You know, you need a new car every year and a half. Well, dude, uh, as you were saying that in my <laughs> head, I was using the millennials and their cars analogy. Oh yeah, it's it, it's like here's my new whip. It's like, dude, <laughs> dude, dude. I know that that fucking payment is a third of your salary. Right. So why are you fronting? And no I, better than the car you had last year. No. Yeah. Right. I mean, I come from the school of. Try to pay cash for the car and drive it till the wheels fall off. You know, I <laughs> didn't. That's just me. I'm the I'm the op. I got a I'm payment. on the opposite end of the ex, of the. I got a payment there. on mine. Yeah, I do now too. But I don't. I don't now. It's paid off. Mm-hmm. But it's it's got rust in the quarter panel. I mean, it's still a decent truck, but yeah. it's wearing out, and yep. it's got two hundred thousand miles on it. Right. And nothing feels as good as nothing tastes as good as being fit feels. <laughs> nothing. Drives as good as some as just not having a payment. Oh yeah, well, and a car, car payments are so crazy high compared to what they, you know, the the most expensive way to own a car. And this is like for all the Dave Ramsey listeners out there, you know, like leasing, leasing a car, you know, is the most expensive way to operate a motor vehicle. It's right? just renting it, right? Yeah, versus buying. That's what you know, when they follow millionaires around and and just ask them a million questions on average they have a two-year-old car and it's paid for it's a ford fusion <laughs> yeah right i mean they don't care right. one of the one of the most well-off guys i know literally drives an old nissan piece of crap really because he's like why not right it runs like why am i gonna waste money on this when i could invest money in property that's gonna earn me money and instead of putting money in this depreciating thing right absolutely <laughs> i mean when you see it like that you're like duh yeah, no, I get it. But I, people I'm, I'm all want in. to feel good when they're driving their car. Right. They, they want to feel cool. They want to feel like the same thing with when they graduate and they're, why am I in the mailroom? Right. So I should be driving. I should be in the corner office. I, I should, should have that Mercedes. Right. Yeah. Right. I should have that Tesla or whatever. You know, and, they, they, and they, so they go buy the Mercedes and they're strapped. Yeah. And they can't go backpacking through Europe with their friends. Right. 
Because they got an $800 car payment. <laughs> right. And, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm all that because I'm definitely not. But I guess I've just been lucky because I never cared about the, you know, the fashion of a car. I literally just wanted to get me, I want it to be functional and safe and reliable and all that. But I could care less beyond that. Like right now we have a minivan yeah. that my wife drives and I have like a small SUV that I can haul my music gear in. I can throw my lawnmower in and the snowblower in yeah. to take the properties. And that's all I care about is can it accomplish the tasks I need? Yeah. I look at it like a computer, just a like tool. when I'm buying a computer, I right. literally go, okay, what tasks do I need to accomplish? Okay, what applications can run that task? Okay, what kind of computer hardware can run those applications? Right. Work backwards from there. And I do the same with cars. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. But when you, you know, what, think about the person who buys like a convertible when they have kids, you know, and they yeah. got like a two-seater. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, you're just, well, and if you're rich or whatever, I don't Obviously, I don't care, and I, that's, people can do whatever the hell they want. We're just right. saying what is what is optimal behavior, right? And that's to me is just evidence of the toddler brain saying, "I want the two seater convertible that's completely not practical and stupid expensive," just because I, I, they just want mine. It. Mine. It says right there, mine. <laughs> Get a minivan. No, mine. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So it goes. It goes through all these. You know things we just went through in great detail. That's the cult of feelings, going. right? Yeah. So, okay, so it says, how can we soar above? Okay, the good news is that many, if not most of the problems that seem like emotional disorders or childhood issues or relationship incompatibility can be viewed as mere toddler brain habits. Well, here's another one too. Just uh, relationship-wise, look at marriages, right? What did people used to do Speaking of not wanting to ever experience any discomfort, what did people always want to do back in the day? Stay together, right? Yeah. No, uh, hell or I want her. What do they do now? I'm out. Well, I don't feel very good right now. I'm out. Yeah. I'm tapping out. Right? Yep. 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 I mean, how many- You're, not, you're not meeting my emotional needs. You know, we're at the age now they where- quit. How many of your- What percentage of your friends are divorced? Actually, very few, but I'm an anomaly. You're an anomaly. You're, you're an outlier. It's a, yep. most of the- People at my age group are, a lot of them are divorced. Sure. Like if I go to my high school reunion, there's going to be probably 50, at least 50%, I would say. Statistically speaking, that, yeah. would, that would add up. By now, because it's been 30 years. Well, I so. shouldn't rephrase. We should, you should actually should rephrase the question. At our age, the question should be, how many of your friends have been divorced? Right. Well, right. <laughs> at least They once. might be remarried by right. now. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, people... You know, used to, and I'm not saying stay together if your husband beats the shit out of you or whatever. I'm not, right. you know, obviously not that. But people, I feel like they used to stick it out more. Yeah, you like know, they, work. They go through tougher times and stick it out. Whereas now they're at the first sign of discomfort. They're like, I'm out of here. I don't. I don't. Well, it's when it's for it, me. I need time for me. I need to work on myself. Well, they're you know, selfish as shit. fuck. Right. And it used to be where death do us part actually meant that. <laughs> right. Not until my feelings, until I get buttered. Exactly. Do we part? Until I get buttered, do we part? <laughs> Those are good vows. <laughs> that's good. All right. Well, that's the toddler brain. I mean, I think we went. It's pretty- so fascinating, and I'm just getting started. Now, this, you know, let's tie this back into nutrition and fitness, right? We're talking Ugh, about slippery. So far, we're talking about car gotcha. payments, jobs, marriages, you know. Raising your kids, et cetera, et cetera. How does this creep in? I think that was obvious. 
Yeah. But it is. But just put a nice little bow on it for people. It, it's it's back to what I said when we first started on the topic, and that was the when our toddler brain kicks in when it comes to food and that instant gratification, we don't have the policing force like a mother or a, mm-hmm. or a you know a parental figure over the top of us policing that saying no, get out of the cookie jar, right? Stop, you're not having any. That's why coaches are good, right? Right, right. That's a good I'll, argument for I'll, a coach. I'll slap your hands. Yep. Um, but the challenge I'm going to see with myself is going to be how do you – the tricky part is going to be taking all of – unpacking all of this mm-hmm. and then repackaging it in a form – that isn't super fucking offensive. <laughs> well, yeah, because people are so freaking sensitive now that if oh. you if you, ha- if you go old school football coach on them, they're yeah. like, I mean, they're right. sucking oh, their thumbs. Yeah. So essentially, to to use this in your coaching, you have to say, could be fucking, a fucking gr- baby. Grow up. Could be a fucking baby. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah grow right. up. Yeah, what do you suggest I do when I go up with friends and there's they're drinking beers and eating pizza and I and I'm over on calories. Just grow say, up. Are you fucking don't, three? Don't eat. Yeah, are you fucking three? You piece are, of shit. Are you four years old? <laughs> I want to send him this article. Yeah, well, that's where you got to know your clients and you got to know right how far you can push them. But right, but yeah, and sadly, you know, people. Some people need to hear it. You know, that's just how it is. Um, yeah, I, I well, don't know. I got I got a lot to do. And there's a lot of work to do to to, to Oh yeah. extrapolate. I'll the, make one more takeaways analogy. You know, this is exactly like working out and, you know, being dedicated to nutrition and fitness is exactly like investing, right? Right. I mean, when you're throwing money into your 401k out of your paycheck, it's not it's not any world-changing amounts when you start. Right. You know, you're putting a few hundred bucks in a paycheck or whatever. Yep. Um that's not going to change anybody's life. Yeah, but you don't fucking stop in a month because you you're not a millionaire. <laughs> exactly. You don't stop. You. It's that accumulation of consistency over time that yeah. has an effect. And when you set it to – that's why the all the financial people say set it up to go in right out of your paycheck, right into your 401K, and don't even – don't freaking touch it. Because yep, if it shows up in your bank account and then you have to – write a check to your 401k every month you're never going to do it right it's got to be taken off the top and every month boom 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 and then you look back 10 years from now and if you invested it properly you get that compounded interest and mm-hmm. i'll say that working out is the same because you know you got that progressive overload right right the more muscles you have the more muscles you can lift the makes the more muscles you have you know it's right. it compounds yep the same as investing does Sure. Uh, and all, next thing you know, you got guys yelling, keep getting those gains, bro. Right. And you know? you're like doing a couple extra chords <laughs> just for them. Right. So, you know, it's chords. That's what they're called, right? Yeah, chords, okay. yeah, riffs, licks, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it's I think of it like investing like that. It's that consistency that wins over time. You know, like Dave yeah. Ramsey always talks about, you know, if you invest X amount when you're 20 and by the time you're 50, it'll be, you know, X million or whatever. Yeah, $300. Assuming a bunch of, you know, factors that... You started with, what was it, $300 a month? Something like that, yeah. 25 or something. 2 million or something if you get X amount of return per year. But there's a lot of assumptions there. But 
the theory is the same. And, you know, I think you can apply that, you know, is one workout going to make you rip? No. Is, is, you know, a week or a month, even a month of working out going to make your muscles uh, big? No. Even a, it takes years. Six months of eating right. Yeah. And, and crushing at the gym isn't going to turn you into a fucking fitness model. No. That's it's just one not. The, that's one of the, the most eye-opening, saddest realizations I had. Because I literally thought, like, if you just hit everything hard for six months, boom, you could, you could do that. I mean, you can make a big difference. Huge. But trying to but, put on – I mean, I think you could really get lean in that that's time. Easy. That's easy. But – Putting muscle on is so slow. Time-wise, that's the easy part. Right. Is leaning out. But putting muscle on on size is so years. slow. Years. years. People say, yeah. People say, well, I've been doing this diet program for like three months now, and I lost a lot right away, but now I'm kind of plateaued and even gained a little bit, but it's mostly muscle. In three months, <laughs> fuck it is. No, it's not. That's why all that, when we it's talk about his Thor on steroids, that was all bullshit when, you know, Brad the Cooper saying I put on 40 pounds of muscle in eight weeks. Yeah, no, he got fat. Yeah, we, it was all bullshit. We, <laughs> right. That's not possible. Right. And even with the most steroids and the most working out possible and the best diet, you, you, only X amount is achievable. Right. And these guys are all bullshitting. Well, because so. when he was in Afghanistan and he has... On, or he got grounded. They took his gun away, mm. and he was pissed, and he was doing those deadlifts. Right. And he's like, in and in in American Sniper. Mm. Yeah. And uh, he had a big pooch. Right. So yeah. it, he didn't gain 40 pounds of muscle. No. <laughs> he, needs, he needs the ab circle or the thigh master or whatever. No, he needs the Hawaii chair. <laughs> I need that for right here. And for what? those who don't know what we're talking about, we did a reaction video, so check out the YouTube channel for the worst, crazy, stupid fitness Sitting devices. Sitting on that goddamn Hawaii chair. Can you imagine? I'd drive you crazy. <laughs> my fidgeting ass on oh, that God. chair for yes. over an hour? Yes. Have you, speaking of weird fitness devices, not to get completely on a tangent here to wrap things up, but have you noticed the people who have the treadmill desks? Have you seen those people? No. Oh, they annoy me. Like, you'll that. be doing a Zoom call, and all of a sudden you'll see a guy, like, doing this. Oh, he's walking while like, he's what sitting. The, what are you doing, bro? No, they're standing. Like they have a standing oh. desk and they have a treadmill desk, but they're just walking the whole freaking time. And you just, I just, I don't know why that just annoys the shit out of me. Dude, you can turn your camera off. <laughs> Look at me. That's the toddler brain. Yeah. Oh, that, to me, it was just a virtuous signal. Like I'm better than you. I'm, I work out all the time, eight hours a That's day. That's toddler brain, dude. That's his equivalent of fucking running around in a Superman cape <laughs> right. when, when guests come to visit. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. So uh, make sure you send us emails, info at fitandfurious.com. You got topic ideas, you got questions, you got comments, you got criticisms, positive reinforcement. We'll take it all, baby. Make sure you watch on YouTube to check out the extra content and valuable visuals. Check us out anywhere audio podcasts are found. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Support the show at FuriousMerch.com. People have been buying my real food pyramid t-shirts lately. Really? I sold a few of those. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so let's check those out. FuriousMerch.com, and we will see you next week. On my treadmill desk. <laughs> Everybody, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm working out. I work out more than you. <laughs>